Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to the latest edition of the Pump Fake. Jared Bailey with you as always. Joined today, ESPN Houston Texans reporter DJ BN Ame. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm I'm doing well, man. Not quite as good as a certain quarterback uh, in your <laughs> neck of the woods, though. Um, which we'll uh, we'll kick off the show talking about right now. Uh, CJ Stroud, man, having. One of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback, maybe the best rookie season for a quarterback that we've seen in the history of football coming into today, tied for six in the NFL in touchdown passes, second in passing yards, sixth in the league in EPA, third in defense adjusted yards above replacement, third in DVOA, everything that this man is doing. You know, we, uh, I think the majority of people coming into the year, you know, if you would have said, all right, the Texans, you know, if they win six, seven games, CJ Stroud looks competent and like he has a future in the league. That's a hell of a start. Yeah. They have more than surpassed those expectations and find themselves in the midst of a playoff race. What's been the key to his success and Houston's success overall? I think, uh, in all honesty, if I had to pick one specific reason, I think it would be the offensive line that he has. Um, I know that it may appear that the offensive line wasn't that good on Sunday against the Jaguars, but you know, CJ actually had an average time to throw 3.8. So if you have an average time to throw 3.8, you're going to, you know, you're going to, the quarterback's going to be under some type of pressure, whether you're creating or not. Um, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles in the NFL. Like, as we know, a lot of quarterbacks, they get the ball out within, you know, really good quarterbacks is like 2.5 to like 2.8. Well, 2.4 is like 2.8. I think Trevor's in like 2.4 range, Tua's in 2.5 range, Mahomes in 2.8 range, Burrow was in 2.4, guys like that. Um, and obviously, like the guys that are a little bit higher, like they're like pure scramblers. But CJ, for the most part, he just kind of operates in the pocket for the most part. I mean, he'll create and he can create, but for the most part, he's having because again, he's has the highest time to throw in the NFL. But he's only pressured on like he's like his pre- actual pressured rate is like uh, mid tier, like in the, like 15, 16, one of the two, sure. which means that he's having he's still having he's most for the most part having clean pockets and. The offensive line, according to ESPN, pass brush, you no know, pass block win rate is top ten, the tenth right now. So he's had really good protection that's allowed him to survey the field for this time where he'll go one, two, three, and he'll make a full free, full uh, field read and get to that third guy and fire a dart. Dart, and there's some guys that there if they go one, two, and then they try to get three, they might have a defender in their mouth. So I would say like the O line is probably one of the bigger reasons. They don't get as much praise or talk. They don't they're not talked about as much. But I would say that the O line, especially you know, their O line coach, has done a really good job of giving C these clean pockets. Cause we all knew coming out, if he has clean pockets, he's gonna dice you up. Right? Like that's that's kind of who he is. Um so I'll say the main reason, in my opinion, is the offensive line. I would say second is Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, who's done a really, really good job of creating favorable matchups, um, really exploiting defenses' tendencies, calling plays at the right time, and he's been able to execute. Um, and obviously, third would be his, you know, his receivers and Tank Dell and Nico Collins. 
they really surprised a lot of folks. I mean, D'Amico did, D'Amico, the Texas head coach, did mention prior to the season that this receiving core was going to surprise some people, and they sure have. Um, again, like Tank looks like an absolute steal in the third round. Now you're kind of questioning why he didn't he go first round. Right. You know, Nico is living up to a lot of the talent that he always had coming out of Michigan. He just couldn't stay healthy. He's at 800 yards receiving, 13th in the NFL, 13th most in the NFL, fifth behind AFC receivers, which means he might have a shot to possibly make a Pro Bowl this year. So, yeah, I think – and uh, I think it was if I had to rank it, it would be those three. O-line, Bobby Slovic, receivers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did they just uh, – Tyus Howard just went down with, with an injury. Um, mm-hmm. how, yep. how, long, uh, how long is he out? I, I didn't yeah, know. No, he, he's out for the rest of the year. To be mm-hmm. honest, nobody really has even a good idea when he'll be back because, like, it's a kind of unique injury right. where he's kind of injured. Uh, what are you injured in his knee? So we're gonna. It's gonna be an interesting process to see how how he gets back. So good for him that he's able to get his money. Um, you know, so because the, the, the knee injury doesn't seem like it's a usual one. It was a little unusual. So we'll see what um, where he comes back. But they replaced him with a second round pick from this past draft in Juice Scruggs. So mm-hmm. and Juice Scruggs been able to hold it down. Was we'll able to hold it down within the game to to an extent. Um, and again, he's going to be playing – anybody that plays next to Laramie from a pass-blocking standpoint is going to be in a favorable position because we all know if you got a great left tackle, left guard's plays only going to elevate many um, because he has that guy right next to him and he doesn't necessarily have to um, worry about, you know, being in bad positions because he knows that left tackle is going to is going to hold it down. So I think, again, as long as they got Laramie and Shaq Mason, Shaq Mason played phenomenal ball. Even a George fan, George fan, he's like – uh, top ten, um, yeah, I should think like top ten, top twelve among amongst, nice uh, yeah, amongst tackles and pass, uh, pass block win rate too. So, like their old line, I give a lot of credit to the offensive offensive line coach. Not sure what his name is, forgetting it right now. But again, like he's done, <laughs> he's done a great job preparing these guys. You know, and all honestly, he's done a really good job preparing these guys. Because again, like CJ has the longest time to throw in the entire NFL, right. and he's not pressured at a at a normal, like at a very, very high rate. Cause like guys that are up there, um, like I think Russell Wilson's up there in terms of time to throw, he's been sacked a lot this year. Mm-hmm. So CJ has one good, really, really good pocket presence and has a good offensive line that can hold up and give TC all the time he needs. You talked about his, his receiving core as well. Like Nico Collins came into the season with a career high, I think of 37 catches, which he sustained uh, last year. He's already surpassed that this season. Yep. Tank Dell has been phenomenal. Um, in all aspects, you know, whether it be, you know, as an underneath slice and dice guy or as a, a deep threat, as we've seen this season, the fact that he's doing it with such an unproven core, I think, speaks to the talent of him as well. And that's, you know, not to bash me, yeah, yeah, for anything. sure, it, for sure. Um, but you know, like I said, I think coming into the year, everybody's like, okay, as, as long as we see something, um, you know, that that's a good first step, but they've gone above and beyond. Um, what those expectations were. Dalton Schultz has also had a nice stretch of games as well this season. Um, looking at the rest of their schedule, I mean, they got Denver coming up. What is for you? What's their big, the biggest worry when it comes to playing Denver um, going into this week? Uh, so I would say it's the turnover battle because Denver's done a really good job at that, just forcing turnovers, whether it's forced fumbles, interceptions, whatever it is. Like the majority of the games that they've won that they weren't supposed to win, they were able to. Force interceptions, whether it was or fumbles, whether it was like against the Buffalo Bills, even though like the Buffalo Bills one was a little wonky. Because some of the like, you know, one interception was off of Gabe Davis's hands. Right. Uh, you had a fumbled snap. Like it was, it was a very weird 
ordeal and like that wasn't sustainable. But the Saint, that Saints game, the Chiefs game, they were able to force some legitimate interceptions on Patrick Mahomes by being able to disguise them a little bit. Um, so I would say turnovers is probably one thing that I'm a, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about. Not because he doesn't protect the ball there; he has a good, really good job protecting the ball. But it's just when they force turnovers, they're able to capitalize on it and put you in a hole. So I think that probably be my biggest concern. Then my second biggest concern, honestly, is the Broncos would be how do they adapt off of certain possibly following whether it's Nico or Tank, right? So yeah. like if Sertain is following those guys, is Bobby slow it? Because it's not like it's like the typical like, all right, man to man coverage across the board. All right, my best corner is gonna follow your best receiver, but we know it's man across the board. It's more like they kind of they, at times, especially on third downs, they, they get a little creative where like Sertain will follow and he'll just be man to man on that guy. But like on the back end, they'll still be running whether it's quarters or quarter, quarter half, or cover two or cover three, whatever. They'll still be running their own stuff. They just Sertain got his own assignment, you know? So I'm really curious to see how Bobby Slowick and CJ attack that type of defense. Because they haven't seen that type of defense all year where they like their number one guy, like their number one corner is gonna follow, possibly follow your number one receiver or your favorite target. Um so I'm really interested to see how they, they counter that. I mean, because really again, like they they had a couple of weeks where teams were picking up on attention that they love to tackle over the middle of the field in breaking routes consistently. And there's a three-week stretch against the Saints, Panthers, and uh, Falcons where teams were able to minimize that. That's why they only they averaged like 17 points during that stretch. They adapted and, and made their adjustments after that. Um, they still go to it from time to time, but now they're attacking more outside the numbers from time to time at a more consistent rate. So, so they've been able to adjust. So this will be a little different, right? Can they adjust in the game and try to figure out how to attack it? Uh, so... I'm really interested to see how like they attack the certain ordeal and how do they um, protect the football. Because if you turn the ball over against Denver, um, they'll be able to capitalize off of, it, off of it and then put you in a bind. And then they're going to run the ball and they're going to shorten the game, as we know we saw in the Bills game. Like They shortened that game dramatically to right. where you know the Bills didn't really have the ball much um, and weren't able to pull out, even though in reality, like if they had 11 guys on the field, they win that game. Sure. We haven't really touched much on the Texans defense, but being the fact that Russ has done a better job of protecting the ball this year, and you mentioned it, the way that the Broncos play, the analogy I've made a lot this season is like Russ is cooking, but he's not like cooking like a five-star chef. He's cooking more like he just got like a blue blue apron package, and he's got the recipe in front of him. Sean Payton's not asking him to to do a whole lot. It's more just like... You know, Russ, you don't have to, you know, throw 90, 90 yards downfield. But, hey, if it's like a third and five, we need you to hit on this throw. If it's a third and six, we need you to move the chains. Um, in terms of that, I mean, Houston's defense has been a little bit a little bit up and down this yeah, season. Yeah, what, uh, in terms of the offense versus defense battle for the Broncos offense and Houston's defense, what uh, stands out to you? Um, what would stand out to me is how are they going to operate? Like, can they, one, force – the Broncos behind the sticks, right? Land up behind the sticks. But, you know, if it's first and second down, can they keep them out of favorable third down situations? Can they keep them out of third and fours, third and fives, third and threes? Because Russ has been very effective in those situations, right? And again, if they're running the ball at an effective rate, now their play action pass game is a lot more effective, right? They're going to be able, Sean Payton's going to do a really good job of putting 
um, some of the linebackers and run pass conflict, right? With some of the jet motion, some of the um, some of the jet motion things of that nature, um, some of the most dangerous man um, movement at the line of scrimmage, things of that nature, just to continue, just to mess with their eyes, just for a second, so they can find a way to slide it through. And then again, you can do a lot of play action, creativity stuff off of that. So I'm really curious to see how the Texans are able to operate on early downs, first and second downs, to try to prevent them from being in those favorable third down situations. Because obviously, if you get Russ in, in third and third and eight, third and nines, we all know Russ isn't necessarily an on time type of player. He has to be a little bit off script. The Texans this year have done really well, but quarterbacks have tried to play off of script. They they held Kyler Murray in check for the most part, post interception. Lamar, they held they they really held him in check that game. I think Lamar had a pick and a turf lost fumble that game, and um, both of those came off of broken plays. So they've done a really good job in that regard. Um, the one quarterback that was able to really get them a lot on um, broken plays was Joe Burrow. He was able to really like torch them at times on uh, script, but. They'll live, with, they'll live with teams kind of playing off script. So I would say if you can get them in 30 and long, like 38, 39, 37, 10, we know Russ necessarily isn't going to one, two, three throw right there. Sometimes he might not like what he sees, and he's going to try to scramble and make something happen. And the Texas has been pretty effective in that manner. So I would say for me is how do they handle first and second down, trying to prevent the, like, the third and manageable, third and shorts. Because at that point, it's kind of a coin flip. Um, for the Denver Broncos offense and the Texans defense. Uh, I'm really curious to see what defense we're going to see from them because, again, like, as you mentioned, they've been up and down, right? Some weeks they look really good, like, against the Saints or against the Panthers or against um, the – actually, against the Bengals for a large majority of the game. But, but then at the end, like, they kind of let up a little bit, let go of the reins. And now before you know it, they, the Bengals have a chance to win that game and put up 30 if not for a drop touchdown by Tyler Boyd. Now, you know, they, you know, it's a completely different result in, in that regard. So I'm really interested to see, like, how, which defense we're getting. This, this is going to be the first game since week one where they have their entire secondary that's healthy. Um, yeah, week one was the only game, and that only lasted a quarter because Jalen Petrie punctured his lung mm. early in the second quarter. And from that point on, it had been like, you know, actually, I lied. I don't even think they were – Healthy week one, I don't even think Jimmy Ward played that game. So I, I was a constant lie. rotating door. Yeah, it's a constant rotating door. You know, Jalen will be in, Jimmy's out. Or Jimmy's in, Jalen's out. Or mm. Steven with Stingley, but then Stingley gets hurt now with Shaq and blah, 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 blah right? Like, it's at one point, it, the only guy that was healthy, I believe, at one point was, was just Steve. Steve, the only, Steve Nelson the only guy that's played every single game this year. Steve Nelson's the only guy that's played every single game at the, at the – even their slot corner, he broke his hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they they've had all kinds of injuries in the secondary, but this is I think uh the first time all year that they've been fully healthy. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. Steven Nelson, friend of this very program. Is <laughs> um so looking ahead past Denver, the remaining quarterbacks that the Texans have to play. Tim Boyle, Will <laughs> Levis, Dorian Thompson Robinson, Will Levis again, Gardner Minshew. Yep. I mean that's a hell of a favorable stretch that they have. It is finish up the year, and it feels like it would it would take something crazy to see the Texans not make the playoffs. Um, uh, crazy. Uh, if they lose this week, it gets a little tricky because they'll be six sure. and six. Yeah. They'll fall even further back back in the AFC. Uh, in in terms of the tiebreaker, and they kind of exits out your advantage over the Steelers if you prefer to have a, a similar record because. The Steelers are probably going to, you know, win like 10 games or whatnot or a little bit yeah. over that. 
Uh, and that tie head to head tiebreaker might not be a factor if the Broncos and them have the same record. Mm. Um, but I would say, yeah, it probably would take something crazy to the point. I think it would probably take a little something a little crazy as long as they win this weekend. They lose this weekend, get a little tricky. But even then, like, they can still finish 10 and 7. Even if they lose Absolutely. this weekend, because they, as you, you named those quarterbacks, right? Like, <laughs> you know, those quarterbacks are not good. No, you know? no, they are um, not. Um, yeah. The, the only game that get a little tricky for me is the, the Titans and the Colts game because they're divisional sure. games. And we know divisional, like you could throw the record records out the, the window, right? Like the Ravens are looking at one of the best teams in the league and they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You know, so it's it's always interesting to, to see when it comes to divisional game. Even the Bills, they lost to the Patriots. And we know that the sure. Bills are way better than the Patriots, right? So uh, that that's what I would say. Um, um, they, they have to kind of win this week because, like, I can't expect them to sweep through the rest of the divisional opponents. Sure. Right? Like, that, that's just not even realistic. Not saying they don't got the talent, but the division games are just weird, right? Like, they went mm. to Jacksonville and they kicked their teeth in, right? But like, <laughs> Jacksonville came back to them and they and they handled business. And this version of the Texas was a better version of the version that went down in Jacksonville, you know. So, um, yeah. So I that's why this game is kind of must win. So that gives you a little more wiggle room, right? You go from, you know, six and five to seven and five. That gives you like a two game lose grace period, right? You just gotta kinda of finish three and I think, yeah, you're gonna finish three and two and then basically in the playoffs. So on the rest of the AFC South though, Jacksonville seems to be in the driver's seat. Uh, I yep. think it would take a lot for the Texans would have to almost run the table and Jacksonville would have to stumble a little bit for, for them yeah. to lose lose out on that division. But the Indianapolis Colts, man. Uh Top ten scoring offense right now with Gunnar Mitchell yeah, in the center. Yeah. I think that's I think that says a lot to how like Shane Steichen was clearly the right guy, the right hire. Right. Uh, when when Anthony Richardson goes down, I think everybody's like, all right, well, this is kind of a you know, we'll punt on the season. But no, man, they currently I think they currently hold the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture. Yeah, they, they um, do. And in terms of you know guys that are really you know, Josh Downs has has come alive. Zach Moss came up when uh, Jonathan Taylor was gone. Now Jonathan Taylor's back in the mix. We've seen Michael Pittman have his moments like. Indianapolis, man, they can't be quite written off yet. No, they can't. They're in this. No, they absolutely, they absolutely are. And you got to also factor in the point that like they beat the Texans pretty convincingly too. Yeah, you know, like that week two game, they really beat them convincingly. So I'm really, uh, I, I'm not dismissing them. That's why I said like it'd be really tough to like just predict they're gonna sweep through the rest of the AFC South, man. Because they gotta play the Titans twice, and they gotta play the Colts, who again. Because they've been playing really good football, as you said, they got a top ten scoring offense with um, Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Obviously, Michael Pittman has been doing his thing. He's been playing really well in a contract year. They have Zach Moss to replace Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's out for a couple of weeks with the thumb injury, but when you got both of them now, you have a really dynamic uh, running attack, and their defense is respectable. So, I really think, yeah, it's gonna be. I think that last spot probably comes down to Week 18, and okay. honestly, probably comes down to Week 18. Where they they're both because I think the I think the Steelers and the Browns get in because they're already at seven, yeah, and they both have weaker schedules and they have they'll be able to you know steal a couple more wins right because really you get to nine ten and then they'll be they'll be in, but then the Texans they have I mean not Texans but the you know the Colts and Texans they'll probably be battling for that last spot so I mean I could envision a scenario that the Browns come here and they beat the Texans, right? And now, like, they got that tiebreaker in. You know, now the Texans and the Colts are both battling it out, battling out for the last spot because the Browns already beat the Colts, right? They beat them in Indianapolis. Granted, it was a little fluky game, but a win's a win. 
Yeah, and it could it could very well come down to a situation where it's going to be Houston and Indy and maybe Buffalo, depending on if they can take care of their business, kind of vying it out for for that last playoff spot going into Week 18. Um, in terms of Tennessee, what what does the future look like for them, in your opinion? Because right now, you know, Will Levis is up and down. Mike Vrabel, like they feel like a team that isn't ever going to fully commit to a rebuild, but they're going to yeah. somewhat convince themselves that they're only a piece away when it's evident that they that there's more that they need to do. Yeah, I think um, you know they got a new gym in there, right? And I think um, I think they they kind of know it's a rebuild, right? Because like sure. they just won't go to like a pool. I think it's more like a software. They're just gonna try to build up everything around. I could see it similar to like what the Falcons did. Their their mm-hmm. reason was different, right? Their reason was because like they had a they had to get off Matt Ryan's contract and Julio Jones' contract. They had right. to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. But I do think that the the the, the Titans, they've already kind of softly launched it because they just traded Kevin Byer. Do we really think they'll bring back Darren Henry? Probably not. Maybe not. I, I highly doubt it. Um, I think they'll probably try to, you know, move in a new direction in that regard. And I think, you know, right now there's something to have a top 10 pick. And it's a interesting quarterback draft class. And well, we all know, yeah, you keep – shooting darts until you find a guy no matter what no matter how you draft them right like the Niners they got they had Trey Lance and they ended up with Brock Purdy seventh round and now they're moving forward right you had the Eagles they drafted Jalen Hurts you know they had Carson they spent a boatload of cash and they ended up moving off of him and it went with Jalen Hurts same with Dak and Tony you know like just keep shooting and I think I think in my opinion they'll probably keep trying to find the successor um, at the quarterback position, especially now that they're in the AFC South, which now looks like a quarterback division. Yep. Um, yeah, like they're, they're, I think, you know, I don't want to say they'll be stupid to like, you know, roll, you know, keep running, running with Le- Will Levis because he has talent. Um, but I think he is in for sure in an evaluation period. And if they come across a guy that they really like, they'll for sure. <laughs> I can see them for sure making that move. Cause remember, they, only, they took Will in the second round, so it wasn't like they yeah. liked him enough to even like take him in the first. Right. They liked him, but they ain't love him clearly. So, DJ Bianami, what have you got coming uh, on ESPN for the Houston Texans? Um, I got some stuff on like uh, something on some a couple of stories on some defensive players, and I'm doing work to work to actually doing a story on Bobby Slow, the Texans offensive coordinator, just trying to dive into like the mastermind behind CJ Stroud being able to play at such a high level. Good stuff all around, mate. Well, hey, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, good luck with you and your Houston Texans the rest of the way. Hopefully, we uh, we can do this again. And we're talking about a playoff game taking place. Yeah. Oh, just, just hit me Texans. up. Yeah, Absolutely. Up. All right, mate. I appreciate you. Everybody watching, appreciate y'all listening to this podcast. We'll do the best bets stream tomorrow with Ben Heisler, so that'll be a lot of fun. But thanks to y'all for tuning into the Pump Fate. We'll catch you very soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.